Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time in your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Kirk Coyne who is the founder and CEO of RMS Advisory Group. They provide CFO and business advisory services to small and mid-sized businesses, helping them grow profitably. And the biggest thing is helping business owners increase the value of their business, which is what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you and I, we've connected several times now um, and talked a lot about this topic of increasing your value. And I remember you telling me, and this has stuck with me, that there's going to be an exit. One way or the other, a business owner is going to exit. It may be because of death. It may be because of retirement. It may be because they passed it on to their their legacy, to their family. Or it could be because they sell it. But one way or the other, there is an exit. And I remember you telling me that. And I was like, I, I don't, I never thought of it that way. You know, but you, you telling me always have the exit in mind. And one way or the other, you want to increase the value as much as you can. So that's kind of the premise of what you do, right? Absolutely. And um, the interesting thing is most business owners don't really start thinking about their exit until it's too late. Mm. Like they're ready to exit in a month. Well, (laughs) I mean, that's that's the honest truth. I mean, I've got a couple of uh, clients currently or prospects I was talking to and one, one, one example is a, a fellow that owns a tree uh, service company in San Antonio. And he, con- he found me and contacted me about three months ago and said, you know, I'm 67 years old. I'm thinking about retiring, so I w- would like to explore selling my business. Well, I said, well, great. Better, better late than never, right? Right. Um, so he starts, we started having a conversation about his business. He's had it. 40 years. I said, is it profitable? Yeah, it's profitable. He gave me a few big, big picture numbers. One big business, small business, but uh, has, has had it for you know, quite some time. And, uh, and, and I said, I'd be happy to help you. Can you, um, you know, I'll send you an email with uh, the information I need to get a, an initial idea, which always requires financial statements, among other things, which you're going to get a kick out of some of these oh, stories, because yeah. a lot of times it's amazing what you see. But he never got anything to me. Um, I followed up with him periodically by by text. I didn't even have his email actually. I said, "Can you send me your email?" So I texted him. I did have his phone number because he was he called me on the mobile. Um, never responded to the to to my texts, and um, and then until finally, uh, I, I asked him, "Have you found?" Because he was shopping other people to help him with his exit, and I said, "Did you find somebody to help you?" And he said, "No," in his text. I said, "Okay, great." Still no. I said, "Well, I'm happy to help," and still, still nothing. Three months later, or four months later, he calls me again. He says, "You remember me?" I said, "Yeah, I remember you. Sure. How are things going? Uh, you are you are you working on selling your business?" I closed it. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I closed the business because uh, my main guy left. Oh and, no. Uh, and so I, so now um, you know, I'm I'm ready to sell whatever I have left. I said, uh, oh, and boy. what what would that be? And <laughs> well, I've got some equipment. Okay, what do you think that's worth? He gives me some numbers, and uh, 
And then I'd like to sell my customer list for, you know, for another, that's as good, going to be as goodwill. I said, well, it's kind of hard to get value for goodwill when the business isn't operating anymore. Mm. But, um, you know, and again, I asked him to send me some information. I'll see what sort of opportunity there might be to salvage this thing. Um, and in the end, um, he never did send me anything oh, and, no. and it, which is probably just as well. It's one that I, you know, I don't think honestly that, you know, he, we're going to be able to do much for him, but that's the kind of thing you run into. And it, and it's, it's very sad. The smaller the business, the more likely that is, but there's even some decent sized businesses that, um, believe it or not, um, don't, you know, don't start thinking about that time until it's imminent, either because, mm. uh, you know, a personal issue, death or divorce, uh, a health issue, whatever it might be. And, and it's, it's a shame because at that time, it's usually too late to really make modifications in the business to make it, to make it more attractive, more sellable, more valuable, right? Because that's, that's, that's a strategic change in the business right, oftentimes. Right. And, um, and, and the biggest challenge that I find is getting business owners' attention early enough on in their process. In fact, uh, I say, we say, you know, the best time to start thinking about your ex is when you start your business. Right. I remember because, you telling me that. Yeah, exactly. And you're doing a good job of thinking about those things when you're not buried in right. the day-to-day, which we'll get into, you know, that issue in and of itself. So um, it's a, it, it is a very important subject. I mean, for most business owners, uh, their business is their single biggest asset. Uh, which they may or may not have any idea what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't, and and even less of an idea of how they would make it more valuable. So that's you know that's, that, what, that's you what I do, why I do what I do, um, and it's amazing the the situations that you that you come across. So whenever you say the best time to start is when you start your business, that means it, it the time is now, right? No matter where you're at in your business, the time is now to start thinking about this. It is, and, and the, reason, the reason why, it, it may not be that you plan to sell your business in three or even five or even ten years, but would you still not want to make that asset as valuable as you can? Right. The same way if you've got a stock portfolio, um, you, you don't want to just let it you know, right. disappear and go to, go to nothing. You want it to grow, right? right. That's why you invest in the... In the stocks now, most business owners don't think of their business as an investment, mm-hmm. but in a way they should, because yes. ultimately, the buyer of that business, if it's ever going to go on the market, is going to think of it as a investment. Right. Um, and so it's a it's kind of a change in paradigm and and a, and a mental shift. It's difficult for some business owners to understand that it's really important for them to look at their business from an outsider's point of view, which. You know, that's where I try to help them think that way so that um, they can start making changes in their business that would be make it more attractive. And not only does it make it more attractive to a buyer, it it, it creates options for them down the road. You know, it, it, it's not so much that they're getting it ready to sell because if they're not, if, you know, if that's not in their, their plans, it's that they could, they have the advantage of knowing they could sell it yes. if they needed to. Um, if one of those life events happened or if a suitor comes along that they really liked and, and you know, maybe it's a strategic buyer or somebody that they know well that they think it would be a good match for, they, you know, they've gotten to the point where they've prepared for that. Um, not only the business, but in their, man, in, right. in, in their head in their as head. well. So, Well, and I think there's a little bit of a misnomer out there with some business owners anyway that 
increasing the value of your business just means I have to grow it. I have to have more employees. That's not true. You can increase the value of your business without necessarily increasing the size. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're you're very you're very correct. And and there's there's different types of business owners, right? Uh, there's and even in this value builder system, we'll talk <coughs> talk about. Excuse me. They refer to you know freedom fighters, mountain climbers, and craftsmen. And and the the the, the mountain climbers are the ones that want growth at all at all costs. Big revenue growth, uh, fortune, not fortune, but Inc. 5000 kind of growth. Um, it's, you know, that's how they measure themselves. And I've seen several of those where they've succeeded in growing the top line. Bottom line, not very good. Margins, ah. not very good. Um, the business structure, there's issues. Um, so it's not necessarily a valuable business just because they got a lot of revenue ah, there. So you can grow your revenue without necessarily growing the value of your business. Absolutely. And a lot of it depends, too, on, you know, is that growth sustainable? Is it or is it because of, you know, one or two large customers that the owner cultivated over time and that's generated most of their most of their uh, revenue? It may not even be the most profitable source of revenue, but mm -hmm. it's paying the bills. And, and frankly, the way most business owners, um, when they start and, and grow their business, maybe you're even experiencing it yourself, it's you're, you're trying to get customers any way you can, right? And so the growth is, is somewhat opportunistic. You land a big client or a big project, or, and that's the one that starts generating revenue, gives you some financial flexibility, hire some people, you know, invest in some resources. Uh, and what, what happens? You keep feeding that elephant, that, that big, that Goliath, instead of <clears throat> working on taking a step back and saying, okay, I have this customer, or maybe it's two or three of them, but is that really um, where I want to be? Is that, is that where I should be? Um, you know, there's a, there's actually a good example in the uh, the, the founder of, of Value Builder System, John Warlow, tells about uh, a fellow named Jason Freed that founded a company called Basecamp. And and originally, what he was doing was website development at design and development for large enterprise, uh, big companies. Um, there's five thousand. 10,000 people that do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, very crowded market, et cetera. And, and in his case, because he was serving very large customers, he was beholden. He felt very beholden to those customers. They were controlling, sort of like the Walmart syndrome, why, you, right? You hear about companies that have landed a Walmart account. Blessing or curse? <laughs> <laughs> right? A lot of times it's a curse mm -hmm. because next thing you know, Walmart's dictating how you run your business to the detriment of how you should be running it and diversifying your customer base, which is one of the main value drivers. So what this guy, Jason, did is he ended up uh, kind of pivoting. And instead of doing website, customized website development, he developed, with some help, I'm sure, a project manager management software that he could sell directly to small businesses so that they could manage projects uh, and then maybe even integrate it in their website design somehow. But I think it was more of a pivot and um, ended up with 15, 15 million subscribers paying $20 a month for his software. Well, that's $300 million a month. And in recurring revenue, 
so it's, it's it's recurring revenue. It's it's allowed him to grow the business without so much stress on on him. Um, very good example, I think, on the on uh, on on kind of the strategic shift that sometimes is required to uh, to make. To, to make your business more valuable. And so, it takes time to think about that stuff. So in thinking of the value of your company, we've t- touched on topics that are specific <clears throat> to revenue sources, which obviously, as you touched on, you don't want your revenue primarily coming from one source. From a prospective buyer's perspective, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. Because if you lose that client, half your business is gone. Absolutely. So you want a diversified set of customers, but also you mentioned the recurring revenue. That's seen as very valuable, subscription-based model revenue. Absolutely. Is there anything else that pertains to the revenue side of things that can help increase the value of your business? Um, on the revenue side, I would say um, that there's the way that you structure your future growth um, because it's not only growth, the growth that you're having, but it's the growth potential. And so, you know, one of the, one of the premises, one of the value drivers is, is leave some field to, to, to sow for somebody else. You, you know, your, your end of your business is somebody else's beginning, right? So they so, have to be able to see the potential in the future. Exactly. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, you can have a, a, a a, a business that's not generating any profitability, and, but you have this great plan for the future, so you're going to sell it because somebody sees your plan. Now, you do see that sort of thing happen in technology, frankly, quite a lot. You know, these companies that have no revenue and they get bought by Google or, you know, whoever it is, one of these tech companies, because of the idea. Mm-hmm. Because they think that they, you know, it's not something that they've created themselves, but they can take it to the next level. So, you know, that's kind of the exception in most, you know, basic businesses, whether they're service or product based. That's that's not something, not something you see. Um, trying to think on the revenue side. And I would think a diversified set of services, if you're a service company or products, if you're a product company, does that help if you have a diversified set of product? Interesting question. Um, that's another thing that even, you know, when I, I'm a licensee of this, this system called Value Builder System, and, and you know, I've got 40, 40 years in business, both you know, big corporate as well as working with entrepreneurs, small businesses, and some of these things I hadn't even thought of in the same way. So one of the, one of the concepts that's integrated into the Value Builder System is um, sell, sell, sell your existing core products or services to more customers instead of selling more things to your existing customers. So that that kind of addresses the customer diversification. Okay. So it's, it's better than you're saying to have less products than more products. Less products that are, you're really good at making gotcha. services that you're really good at, where you have a differentiation. You you have gotcha. some, you have a system, you have an approach that that is no one else has. that nobody else does that's valuable. Um, instead of taking that and and trying to see, okay, how do I you know get into another area um, with with you know I've got 20 customers, it'd be easy enough to to cross sell them some other right. services I have, um, and that's you know. That is a strategy, and a lot of times that that will help, but it probably isn't going to take you to a value 
notch upward the same way as really honing niche down is kind of the concept that uh, another another one of these value builder stories was uh, a lady called um, Stephanie Breedlove. So she was actually a lady working for Accenture, you know, the former Anderson Consulting full-time job. But she had, she was a mother, had had a nanny at home she had to pay, or that she had, and she had to pay. And she couldn't find any at the time, it was like 20 years ago, couldn't find any of the big payroll uh, processors that were interested in dealing with one, you know, one person in that kind of situation. So she started a nanny payroll service, kind uh-huh. of on the side, while she was still working for, for Accenture. And started building up customers because other, you know, other parents had this same issue. And then she got to a point where, you know, it had been growing 20% a year while she was still working full time. She said, well, I can take this, you know, to the, to the next level. But so she asked herself and, you know, probably consulted with others, what's the best way to do that? Do I take this concept of payroll, nanny payroll services and apply it to other household services, lawn care, um, you know, landscaping, um, whatever it might be. Um, or do I take my core differentiation nanny service, very, very niche down and find more parents that need to pay nannies and, and caregivers. And, and that's the route she went and, and the business exploded, um, ended up uh, going to $9 million in revenue. Wow. And better yet, she sold it for $54 million to a company called Care.com, I think it was, ah. which is, you know, that's a multiple of, re- that's six times revenues, not earnings, you right. know, revenues. Wow, so, that's fantastic. Um, because that company saw that that was a niche that nobody else was providing, that that, that they could, you know, capture immediate value. Um, it, 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 it touched on a lot of those value drivers. It, it provided recurring source of revenue. So that was appealing. It provided more customers that customer diversification, getting back to your point, that was, a appealing. Um, it made a, uh, made it easier to teach employees and to, and build a technology base to master that particular function. So it's, it was sustainable revenue and mm. sustainable earnings going going forward. So then business owners probably should focus more attention, I would think, on how they could, A, sell what they are currently good at, but B, how they could turn it into a subscription-based recurring revenue source. Absolutely. I know like trades, for example, I know some of them are now offering like a maintenance program where you pay a monthly subscription and you get bumped to the top of the list. If you have any sort of issues, they'll come out and fix it for, you know, I'm sure you have to pay more if you have a major issue, but you have a subscription that you're paying every month for those services. Yeah. Yes. No, the recurring revenue is, is one of the main value drivers um, that's, that's both important in, you know, running the business and making it more profitable, but making it more valuable at the point of time when it's when it's sold. Whether it's a subscription uh, model, whether it's a membership model, there's there's. Panera I, Bread is doing this now with coffee. Have you seen this? No, but it's not. Surprising. You pay eight ninety nine a month and you get unlimited coffee. To me, this is ingenious because you're getting people in your store constantly. Right. There's probably people that come every day to Panera Bread to get their free cup of coffee. 
Yeah. And, you know, obviously the idea is they're hoping they'll buy a muffin or, you know, whatever else with right. that. <laughs> so the recurring revenue isn't just from the from the membership or subscription fee. It, it extends right. to, well, Costco is a great example, right? Yes. They have a membership fee model mm-hmm. where, you know, you pay, it's not really cheap, but in the giant scheme of things of what you buy at Costco, it's very cheap. But so I'm it brings advocate. people to Costco. Because who I want to offer a subscription is Quick Trip. I am a Quick Trip fan, which is a gas station that's primarily yep. in Texas, I think. But <clears throat> I go to Quick Trip pretty much every day to get my iced tea, which is with me right now, in fact. So QT, if you're listening, can you please offer a subscription-based model for your iced tea? I need this. <laughs> it, it's both in the customer's interest and the business <laughs> yes. interest. So, you know. They... I mean, I'm going every day anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just thinking about that this morning. I'm like, man, they need to get on this Panera Bread idea with the iced tea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how how few companies actually you're seeing more that are that are trying to integrate that into their business model, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them think, you know, that doesn't really apply to my industry. But if you're willing to think out of the box and be a little bit creative, yeah, maybe you can, or, or at least something that resembles a, uh, a, a a membership or a subscription or a and continual me, source of, of revenue. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason why a potential buyer would see that as valuable is because it's much more likely to withstand the test of time. That People don't tend to cancel their subscriptions very often. If they've signed up for a subscription and they want the service, it's usually an automatic payment system, right? Is that why it's seen as more valuable? Yeah, I mean... Exactly, because what's important to an acquirer is sustainable revenue and earnings. So when they look at a business, they're going to look at the company's what the company has done historically the last few years, um, and what its growth potential is. But they don't want to pay for the growth potential because mm-hmm. that's what they're going to where they're going to get their value. They're willing to pay for the existing business that is sustainable. If mm-hmm. if it's a Pure project-based business, which is what you know a lot of a lot of companies are, especially construction firms or you know those, those sorts of things. Then every every deal is a new deal. Right. So you know what you did this year isn't There's going no to be immediately replicable unless you have a client base that somehow has you know a a vested tie to the to the business. So let's take a construction situation that you mentioned. So in the scenario you were talking about where every project is basically a new project, you've got to go sell yourself every single time versus maybe the construction company that has figured out a way to bring some recurring revenue where they're showing up at the same place every month to do some sort of construction maintenance or, you know, I don't even know how that would work exactly, but Mm -hmm. that they're they're not having to go sell themselves every month. They're just showing up every month to perform the service and it's just maintenance. Right. Maintenance contracts actually not necessarily in construction, but in a lot of industries right. is right. another one of those models right. where you can have a ma- and you see those. I mean, like the 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 the, the home warranty companies, you know, right. those mm-hmm. are service maintenance deals. Of course, 
every time somebody comes out for maintenance, they say, oh, well, actually, you need a new air conditioner, or, you know, and so it's all, you know, it's back to that. <laughs> you have the recurring, you know, that you're getting hit for 50 bucks a month or whatever it is. But every time you have a problem, it's going to be, right. you're still going to pay something. Right. But they right. never cover everything they say. So there's also an integrity issue here that, you know, you need to, <laughs> it's, it's a whole, it's a whole package, right? You gotta, you gotta be authentic and, and, uh, and, and, and trustworthy. The company does. And that's right. where, you know, the brand right. and the loyalty, all, all that reputation. comes in. But, but you're, you're right. Or, or maybe the, the construction company could have, um, you know, develop some standardized products that are, you know, that, that go along with or in addition to a, you know, a, a specific project or independently of that, you know, kind of evens out the revenue stream. That's not quite recurring revenue, but it's, it's smoothing mm-hmm. the revenue. So there's, there's always things you can think about and, and, and implement in some shape or form in some industries, some services, it's easier than, than others, but it's probably possible to tweak it in, in almost, in almost any of them. Okay, that's good to know. So aside from finding subscription-based revenue streams and diversifying your customer base, what are some other things that business owners can do to increase the value of their business? Minimize their importance in the business. So one of the mm. biggest detriments to value uh, in, a, in a business that is, is trying to increase the value. I'm not talking about a solopreneur that's more of the craftsperson, you know, that you know, this stuff doesn't necessarily apply. It's, so it's, if you're a craftsperson, the solopreneur, yeah, right. as you mentioned, you know, that's probably a service provider, for example. There could be a bookkeeper right? Um, that's providing bookkeeping services, but it's just them. Yeah. There's no one else. They are the company. Yeah. Um, that is not going to be a very valuable business, is it? No, it isn't. And and, and that's the, the case with probably 50% of, of small businesses under, you know, under, uh, let's say, 500,000 in revenue is the business is so dependent on the owner that without the owner, the business ceases to exist. exist. Who's going to want to come in and buy that business, right? (laughs) Or pay anything for it. I mean, why, unless there's a situation where there's some technology, some system, something about that business that the owner has developed that can be passed on, taught, uh, whatever it is to to the future future buyer, then there is there is thing, there is something there. So and even the bookkeeper could have you know they could try to set up recurring source. They could they could pull from some of these things, but their business is inherently going to be difficult to sell if it remains just them. So generally speaking, the more dependence a business has on the owner, the less valuable it is. Yes. Okay. As with a lot of these value drivers, it's it's kind of counterintuitive, sort of like the sell sell fewer things to more customers mm-hmm. instead of more things to your existing customers. That's the easy thing to do, right? But the the more valuable thing to do is is to find more customers and you know get sell your your core offering that you're really good at. Um, it's the same thing with the owner dependence, and and it's hard for owners to understand sometimes, you know. How can I help my? How can I make my business more valuable? Get out of the way. Hmm. That, that 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 doesn't that doesn't always sit real well with business owners, especially founders. Um, it's their baby, right? Whether it's a service or a product, nobody can do it as well as them, which is probably true. Which means that they're they're kind of stuck. They have a hard time delegating. Mm. They have a hard time um, letting go of things. 
they ultimately end up miserable because they're doing everything, wearing all the hats, running, reacting, you know, have all the relationships with the customers. They're the one that gets, gets called every time there's a problem. It's no wonder they burn out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that's mental is, is to be able to let go. But if they, you know, that's where it, it, it gets back, you know, where I always start with clients, whether it's, you know, talking about an ex or just talking about, about improving their business is, you know, Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. What, what, where are you trying to go? What, you know, what is your end game? And if they can, if they can articulate that, then you, sh- you can make some progress. A lot of times they can't. It, it sometimes, even relative to an exit, it's, you know, die at my desk kind of mentality. Mm. Well, you know, the, uh, well, you know, if you, I ask some owners, what's going to happen to this business when, when you are no longer around? Well, I guess it'll shut down. Really? I mean, that, that, that to me is so disappointing because, one, if, if nothing else, maybe they don't have any kids that they want to, you know, pass the legacy on to, or maybe they, you know, can't stand their kids and just assume <laughs> not, not, not give them anything. That's fine. There's a lot of charities out there and, you know, useful ways to, to, to put that money to work in a, yes, in a good way course. that you've been, you know, building without knowing it. Sorry about that. For the last, <laughs> for the last you know, 30, 30 40 years. It's, yeah, that it's, makes sense. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be passed on to your children, but I mean, this could be your retirement. Could, could be your retirement. Well, and, and for a lot of them, they're, it, they think it is their retirement. I mean, I, I, I have a client that was, when I first started talking to her, she sort of had a one, a one person business outsourced a bunch of different things, but, you know, had a big warehouse, brought in inventory from overseas, uh, used the contract manufacturing. So really doing a lot of things for just basically one person, maybe she had an assistant as well, but it was really a small business, but she, it was a business, but her, her goal was, I just want to be able to take out of this business X amount of money per year so that at the end of eight years, I have enough money to retire. And, and I tried to remind her, well, okay, that's, that's fine. And we can certainly try to work toward that, toward that goal. But what you may not realize is you may be able, your, your business itself developed in the proper way could be worth Many times mm. what that, you know, what that X amount of dollars for eight years is. And, uh, you know, it, it, but she didn't want to take the risks necessarily yeah. that might might be involved given where it were. Well, and sometimes it's hard to let go. I can relate to that. It's, it is difficult, especially when you've, you've built this from nothing and you've put blood, sweat, and tears into something. I could see where it's difficult to give it to someone else. But that's exactly what you have to do. To increase the value of your business because a prospective buyer coming in, if they see it's that reliant on you, it's not going to be very appealing because you're going away. Yeah, and maybe if, not initially. Maybe you stay around for a year, but you are going away right, eventually. Right. Yep. So what is what is a prospective buyer buying? Because they can't keep you. So they've got to be able to sustain the business without the owner. Absolutely. So that makes complete sense. Yeah, I would say the the, the owner dependence and the uh, and the customer uh, concentration tend to be the most common detriments to mm. to uh, so to those selling are the a two business. Two single biggest things people can do then. Well, that they need to work on. Yeah, right. um, I mean it. 
if you go down Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I guess, getting a little bit into your space, if you don't have reasonably decent financial performance, ah. if the business is losing money every year, um, you know, and so there's a gotta, business model issue, or even if it's making money, but you're, you're, you're two years behind in your taxes and you don't have monthly financial statements. And when uh, somebody, you know, asks to see the financials and, you know, and I, I run into business that want to, want to sell. And they, I, first thing I ask, I need to look at your financial statements to get a, at least a first glance look at how the business is doing. Some of them don't even have them. I'm talking to one right now, a restaurant that uh, they, uh, you know, they had their tax returns from the prior two years. They had financial statements, looked looked fine, but we're saying, but they got hit by COVID, right, mm-hmm. in 2020, so it wasn't very good. We're looking at this year. They say, oh, yeah, much better. Okay, good. Um, you, can you give us any financial statements? We don't we don't have those. Um, I have checked the CPA. They check their CPA. They come back. No, it's not really, it's not really um, feasible to get, to get uh, interim financial statements, it wouldn't be cost effective. Okay. Um, <laughs> so last year wasn't very good. You lost money. You say you're doing better this year, but and but they but you and can't they, prove it. they were able to generate. You know, these are our. We said at least give 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 us some indications. They send some sales reports um, that come out of their you know point POS of sale system. system, and uh, and you know. By, 14 pages instead of one that had January, February, uh, March. But anyway, we, we, we can work with that. We can add it all up, right? And and come up with the revenues that and and they're they're up. They are up some. Okay. Well, how do we translate that into profitability? That somebody else is going to believe. So, so a prospective buyer, I would think, if they see a situation where an owner can't provide good financial reports and statements, that's going to be a red flag, I would imagine. It is. Because then it's like, okay, well, how many other areas of the business are kind of just basically they're calling it in, I guess we would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my first reaction, you know, without rudely saying that to him. I mean, how in the heck do you manage your business if you don't even know if you're making money or not? Mm. I mean, that's kind of, but it's amazing, again, how often, how often you see that. And even when they have financial statements, you know, some of them, you know, ask my accountant is the biggest expense item. Or, <laughs> oh, yes. Or uh, oh, That's a big no-no in our company. I'm telling my staff all the time, if it says miscellaneous or other or ask my accountant, we do not use it. <laughs> a- ab- absolutely. And, and if you don't have that basic financial quality of financial information and, and a system to – and there's all I – mean, QuickBooks makes it about as easy as you can make it, mm-hmm. right? And yet, still, there's there's people that that can't seem to to you know even well, come up with basic information. That's a job security for us in the bookkeeping arena. It, it is. So we help people with that. Yeah. No, it, it is. I mean, a, a company that I'm working with, unbelievably, has uh, six or seven million in revenue. Um, That's great. Then profitable up and down, um, but. Who and they use QuickBooks, so I said, "Well, who's your, you know who handles your QuickBooks stuff? The owner. The owner's doing the QuickBooks. The owner's doing the payroll. The owner's running the operations. The owner's helping his wife with her her medical practice on the side." I'm thinking, well, no wonder you know it's hard to you know, really make fundamental changes in the business to mm, to because it's so reliant on the owner. Exactly, exactly, and. 
very smart people. I mean, in this case, it's, uh, but even there, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you run into it. Very, very surprising. Is there any other final last things that business owners should know to increase the value of their business? Um, well, when we talk actually the, in the value builder, uh, you know, model of eight value drivers, they're kind of buckets of drivers, but one of them is Switzerland structure, which why is it called Switzerland structure? Because Switzerland is an independent, known to be an independent country, you know, in wars, they didn't take sides and, you know, they have sort of a tax haven situation, all, all that. And so that one touches on not only the don't be too dependent on a single customer, but don't be too, too dependent on a single employee ah. or supplier. Because ah. those, either of those, you know, what if that, like the, 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 the tree service guy, he was too dependent on a single employee. The employee decides to quit, retire, and his business closes. Mm. Um, same thing with the vendor. Say you are buying most of your key raw material from a single supplier. You don't have other, or it's such a specialized uh, uh, product or, or, or maybe it's a service that they don't have other, they've never pursued other options. That that company decides to buy uh, uh, a competitor of, of you, and so they don't, you know. They you know, don't want to service you anymore. Right, and th- then you're you're high and dry. So that's another one that, you know, is broader than just, it's, it's diversification of not only customers, but also, you know, your employee, your talent base, as well as your vendor and supplier, supplier that base. That makes sense. Yeah. So keep things diversified in all areas. Yeah, well, you don't want to be too reliant on any anything that could, whether it's the owner or those other three that I mentioned, that could, um, you know, render the business worthless or at least devalue the business if something were to happen to mm. to any of those areas. And, and a lot of times, you know, business owners don't really have the time they think to to be thinking about those things far enough in advance, um, or maybe they think they don't have the resources to, you know, to to do something about it, but they really have to mm. in some shape or form, at least have a contingency plan. This is good. I think this is really valuable, good information for business owners to have. And um, I know I've learned today, even though I know we've talked about most of this stuff before, Right. there's things that as I'm reviewing this again, I'm thinking, you know, I could be doing that a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and different, you know, different, whether it's the eight drivers or, or other, other ways to look at, at what's driving the value of the business you can't work on everything at the same time. So yes. it's important to, 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 to kind of have a plan to, to impl- to review, explore, diagnose and improve as you go, uh, different, different areas. And one of the things lacking in most, most small businesses is a forward looking plan other than what's in the owner's head. Um, and, and what I try to explain to business owners is it's not, you know, it's not the plan itself. You know, Dwight D. Eisenhower said a plan is useless, but planning is essential. Mm. It's the process of looking forward at your business because the, the elements that impact your forward path are always going to change. External factors, COVID hits, um, a com- something happens with a competitor or a customer. Mm. So you got to adjust, but that doesn't mean don't don't plan. It's it's you you work off things that you think are going to help the business going forward, and you adjust as circumstances change. That makes sense. So this is what you do. You help people grow in all of these areas, help them get their business ready to sell for the most amount of money. 
So how can people find you if they're wanting to get your help with this? Um, well, I can look, look up my uh, company on, on, the, on the internet, rmsadvisorygroup.com. Um, they can call me, 972-689-1981. Um, and I, I, I do offer uh, complimentary consultations. I mean, the first discussion is always trying to understand the, the business owners' needs and, and have desires. have your financials ready. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it, it, that would be step two. I mean, step one is what are you trying to accomplish? You know, mm-hmm. back to Covey, begin with the end in mind. If, and, and if that's not clear, uh, well, we need to work on that. And then, then once you know where you're trying to go, where are you? Which means, you know, where am I making money? I don't know. I don't have financials. Or I, I don't, you know, maybe they have financials, but they really don't know where they're making money. But, you know, there's, some, there's more than just the P&L and the balance sheet, right? It's what's my profitability by customer and margin by customer, uh, by geographic area, by product, by service. Um, you know, why do I have 10 services when, you know, eight of them aren't making any money and two are, and you know, that sort of thing. So, so you'll help walk people through Take all a deeper of dive. Yeah, That's exactly. Good. And then help prioritize the plan going forward to work on each of those areas methodically. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for business owners to, to be able to free up the time and, and effort to, to do that. But I remind them it'll be well worth your while um, when it's time to, to, to exit or when it's time to go on vacation and, and not have to worry about the place falling apart when you come back, which is, you know, unfortunately uh, often the concern of an owner. That's good. All right. So any business owners that would like to increase the value of your business, talk to Kirk. He is a wealth of information and knowledge in this area. So thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to you. I always learn. So, and I like to be around people that teach me. So this is good. That's good for, I I never stop learning by talking to other people. There you go. About what they do or what I do. That's fantastic. It's it's a two-way street. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of By the Books. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. By the Books is presented by Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.